I want to thank you for joining us again today for this class, The Awesome Biblical Orthodox View of Existence, Above and Beyond. And uh, today is Holy Friday in the Orthodox Church. I am uh, broadcasting this lesson from my home today because down at the church there is someone who is decorating the tomb that we will be using for our Holy Friday service tonight. So I am uh, broadcasting from here today. Holy Transfiguration Orthodox Church here in Crawfordsville, Indiana is a mission parish of the American Carpathian Russian Orthodox Church under Metropolitan Gregory, who is the our ruling hierarch and his cathedral is located in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> our mission as a parish is to experience and share the love of Jesus Christ in a traditional Orthodox Christian community growing in godliness. This is the 10th lesson in this series. We've been basically looking at the history of the world. The Bible is a history book, among other things, and it is not mythology. It is history, and we've started with the creation, with uh, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who existed before all time, brought the world into existence, created the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day rested, created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve. Adam and Eve had many, many children, but out of one of them, Seth, came a whole line of descendants that would eventually lead to Jesus Christ. So far, we've looked at Adam and Eve, and then Seth, and then uh, eventually Noah, about nine generations later, came from Seth. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and from, him, from Shem eventually came a man named Abraham. And Abraham eventually had a son named Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and out of Jacob came 12 sons. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And so yesterday's lesson, we began to talk specifically about <clears throat> one of those sons, one of the most, probably the most significant of them was Joseph, because he was, he was uh, the... Next to the youngest, he was most loved by Jacob and Rachel. Rachel had uh, been barren for uh, a long time, and finally he was able to have two sons, which had Jacob, or, um, excuse me, uh, Joseph first, and then Benjamin. And Joseph uh, was a very special son to them. And because of this, the other brothers were jealous of him and and we talked about the dreams that Joseph had and the difficulties that he had, how he had been basically sold into slavery by his brothers and then ended up in uh, Egypt where he became the head, the head of his master's household. But then he got falsely accused by his master's wife of trying to seduce her and uh, was put into prison, put into jail. But when he got into put into jail, he was uh, in is put in charge of the jail by the jailkeeper because where, whatever Joseph does, he does well. And the blessing of God is with Joseph. And whoever he comes into contact with gets blessed because of Joseph. So he ends up in this jail and he's running the jail. And two of the servants of Pharaoh end up in jail and they both have strange cryptic dreams the same night. And that's where we left off in lesson number nine. So we'll continue today with explaining the dreams 
and seeing where that leads to. So the chief butler had this dream. In my dream, he said, a vine was before me, and on the vine were three branches. It, was, it seemed as though it budded, and the blossoms shot forth, and the clusters grew into ripe grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I placed the cup into the hand of Pharaoh. Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of your dream. Now you'll recall from earlier lessons, Joseph had a lot of experience, a lot of experience with dreams. He, God had given him some very prophetic dreams. So he, Joseph, because he knew the mind of God and was in, blessed by God, he was able to interpret these dreams. He said to the, to the cupbearer or the butler, this is the interpretation of your dream. Three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head, he will restore you to your place, and you will place Pharaoh's cup into his hand as you used to do when you were his butler. Only think of me and it shall be well with you and be kind to me. I beg of you and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this place, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and I have done nothing here to deserve this dungeon. So Joseph is asking this man to remember him when he goes back to Pharaoh, put in a good word for him. <clears throat> now, the chief baker, he also had a dream. So the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good. He heard him talking to the, the butler, and he said to Joseph, I also had a dream, and behold, I had three baskets of white bread on my head. In the uppermost basket there were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket upon my head. Joseph answered him and said, This is the interpretation of your dream. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will call you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh. Well, that was not a very, not very good news to give this butler, or this baker. On the third day, which was his birthday, Pharaoh made a feast for all the servants. He called for the butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he returned the chief butler to the butlership again, just as Joseph said he would, and the butler gave the cup to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had said. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. <clears throat> All right, two years go by. Joseph's still in this prison, in jail wrongfully. The, bake, the uh, butler has gone back to be with Pharaoh and just totally forgot about Joseph. Two years later, it happened one night that Pharaoh dreamed. He stood by the river and behold, seven fine fat cows came out of the Nile and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows, thin and scrawny, came up after them out of the Nile and stood by the other cows upon the brink of the river. And the thin and scrawny cows ate up the seven fat and handsome cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He slept again and dreamed a second dream. Seven ears of corn came up on one stalk. <clears throat> they were hardy and good, and behold, seven ears undersized and blasted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the seven undersized ears swallowed the seven hardy and full ears. Pharaoh awoke and knew it was a dream. On the next morning, his spirit was disturbed. 
He sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and the wise men of the land. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, Ah, at last, now I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me into the prison of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. One night we each had a dream, he and I each a different dream. There was in the prison with us a young man, a Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them to us, giving to each of us the meaning of our dreams. And Everything happened as he told us, so it did. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. So then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. They brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one that can interpret it. I have heard it said that you can understand a dream and tell its meaning. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in my power. God shall give Pharaoh an answer. Joseph knew where his gifts came from. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In the dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the Nile, and there came out of the river seven cows, fat and handsome, and they fed in the meadow. But behold, seven other cows came up after them, thin and scrawny, such as I had never saw in the land of Egypt for badness. The lean and scrawny cows ate the first seven cows, the fat ones. When they had eaten them, they still appeared the same. They remained thin and scrawny as in the beginning, so I awoke. In my other dream, I saw, behold, seven ears of corn come up on one stalk. They were full and good. Then, behold, seven ears, withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprang up after them. The thin ears devoured the seven good ears. I told these dreams to the magicians, but they could not interpret them for me. Joseph said to Pharaoh, The true dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is the same. The seven thin and scrawny cows that came after seven years and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind will be seven years of famine. This is the meaning of what I have told Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he is showing to Pharaoh. Behold, there will be seven years of great plenty throughout the whole land of Egypt. And after them will come seven years of famine. All the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine shall consume the land. The plenty will no longer be remembered in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it shall be great. This story makes me think of our own situation currently in our country. We have had, for the last three years, one of the greatest economies that we have ever had in this country. But look what has happened to our economy in just a few weeks. Almost all the gains we've made have been devoured by this coronavirus crisis. This is a good example of how, in the world, everything that is good takes so much effort and work and diligence and struggle, and yet how easily it can be lost. Another example we have of this is in nature itself. Anybody who's done very much gardening gardening knows how difficult it is to get plants to grow and to thrive and to produce fruit and how much effort it takes to make sure they're watered and they're uh, fertilized and kept free of weeds and all those things. Whereas weeds and 
briars and things like that take no effort at all. And they can grow up so easily and totally uh, choke out and, and, and make unfruitful the good things that you're trying to grow. This is just the nature of the world. And so we're experiencing that right now. <clears throat> so Joseph said the dream was sent to Pharaoh twice because this thing has been decided by God. And God will make it happen soon. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh search for a wise man, a discreet man, and make him a governor over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and gather up a fifth of the harvest of the land in the seven years of plenty. Let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the order of Pharaoh and keep it in the cities. And that food shall be stored for the land to draw on during the seven years of famine which shall come later in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through famine. This is another good principle that Joseph is, is expressing his principle of that when times are good, the prosperous and the wise man will store up for coming bad times. Every, every business should be doing this too. My son and I operate a small business, appliance repair business, and we have seen how difficult it is to pay all your bills and meet all your expenses and try to build up a, uh, an account, a safety net, so that if hard times come or difficult things happen, you have a cash reserve to meet those, those times to deal with those difficulties. But it's very hard to do, and yet it's very important that we be uh, resourceful in that way. So uh, Joseph is recommending that Pharaoh prepare for this seven years of famine by storing up in those seven years of good one-fifth of all the harvest to be stored up by the Pharaoh. The plan seemed good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a man, a man in whom there is as this one, in this one, the Spirit of God, even this pagan king, this Pharaoh could see in Joseph that God was with him. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as wise and as discreet as you are. You shall be in charge of my house. Once again, we find Joseph being put in charge of the situation that he's in. In this case, he's going to be in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. And all my people will be ruled according to your word. Only on the throne itself will I be greater than you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off the ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in the second royal chariot, and the people cried before him, Bow the knee. So Pharaoh made him rule over all the land of Egypt, and he said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you no man shall lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph the Egyptian name of Sathnath-Paniah, and he gave him for his wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, 
priest of own. So Joseph becomes the greatest man in Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh himself. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Then Joseph left Pharaoh and went all over the land of Egypt. In the seven years of plenty, the earth brought forth food in abundance. So during those seven years, when plenty prevailed in the land, Joseph gathered up food and stored the food in the cities. In the same way, he stored up the food of the fields, which closely surrounded the cities. Joseph was a great administrator, apparently. He was able to organize people, to command people, and to set things in order and accomplish anything he wanted to do. Joseph gathered grain in quantities as great as the sand of the sea, so much that he stopped counting, for it was without number. Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, gave Joseph two sons before the years of famine. Joseph called the first Manasseh, because God, because God, he said, has made me forget all my suffering in all my father's house. And the name of the second was Ephraim, because God has made because God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. We see it here something that we see throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, but also in the New. The choosing of names were very, was very significant. The name meant something. And I would like to just exhort people who are listening, especially young people who are getting married or are young and still having children, prayerfully consider what you name your children. We have a tradition in the Orthodox Church to name our children after the saints, either someone from the Bible or someone from church history, someone whose life was exemplary, someone who has been classified as a saint by the church. Don't just give them a name that you think sounds nice or you like the way it looks or anything like that. Really think about what is in the name. What does the name mean? And what is the What is the person behind the name? Who is the saint that the name you're going to choose? And what are the qualities of that saint? So this is a very good practice, one that I encourage all families to do. So, then in the seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of poverty began, just as Joseph had said. Famine was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. Then the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and he said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do as he tells you. The Pharaoh had complete trust in Joseph's management. The famine spread all over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold food to the Egyptians. The famine was so severe in Egypt, but the famine was Famine was severe in Egypt, but the famine was so severe in other lands that people came from all countries. They came to Egypt to buy food from Joseph. So, this is where Joseph's family comes back into the story. Joseph had done very well in Egypt. He was the ruler of the whole land. It's said that he, in a certain sense, had forgotten his people. He, he had a wife, he had sons, he, had, he was in charge, he had a good life. But I'm sure that in his heart he hadn't really forgotten 
his brothers, and especially his father and his mother. Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, and he said to his son, so Jacob is back still in the land of Canaan. And Jacob hears the famine and has hit them very hard. And Jacob hears that there is grain in Egypt. And he said to his sons, Why do you sit and look at one another? I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down and buy some for us there, so that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers set out to buy grain in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's youngest brother, did not go with them. For harm might befall him, said Jacob. In other words, Jacob had already lost Joseph. He wasn't about to send Benjamin on this journey and risk losing Benjamin as well. So among the crowds that came to buy grain came the sons of Jacob, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was the governor of the land. He sold grain to all the people of the land. Joseph's brothers came to him and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the earth. We see the fulfillment of this prophecy of the dream that Joseph had when he was just a young boy that his brothers and his parents would come and bow down before him. Here we see the brothers themselves coming and bowing down before him. Where did you come from? He says to them. He recognized them, but they did not recognize him. So he acted as a stranger toward them, and he spoke roughly to them, saying, Where did you come from? From the land of Canaan to buy food, they said. Joseph's brothers did not know him, but he remembered the dreams he had had dreamed of them, and he said to them, You are spies. It is to find out the secret of this land that you have come. No, my lord, they said to him. Your servants have come only to buy food. We are true men. Your servants are not spies. And Joseph said to them, No, you have come to find out the secrets of the land. We are twelve brothers, they said, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest one is with our father now, and one is no more. But Joseph said again, It is just as I said, you are spies. This shall be the proof. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go out of here unless your youngest brother comes to this place. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother. And you shall be kept in prison so that it may be proved whether there is any truth in your words. Or else by the life, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together under guard for three days. The third day Joseph said to them, Do this and save your lives, for I am a God-fearing man. If you are true men, let one of you stay bound in the prison where you are kept. The rest of you take grain to feed the hungry in your houses. But to bring your bro- but bring your brother to me, the youngest one, so that your words are proven and you shall not die. So you see, Joseph is or- orchestrating this reunion with his brothers to find out exactly what kind of character they now have. And they did so, saying to one another, Truly we are guilty about our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. In other words, the brothers are starting to get the message, even though they don't know this is Joseph. Their their hearts are starting to realize that they are being held accountable for their sin against Joseph. 
Reuben answered this, Did I not tell you, do you not, do not sin against the child? But you would not listen, and now we must settle for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them. They were speaking to each other in front of Joseph in their language. They did not know that Joseph, who he was, that he could understand them. So Joseph heard them deliberating. And this must have really tugged at his heart to hear them talking this way. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. Joseph turned away from them and wept. Then he returned and spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph ordered servants to fill their sacks with grain, to put every, money's back in, every, every man's money back into his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. That was how he treated them. He, he loaded them up with grain. He put all their money back in their sacks. And he sent them back to go fetch the younger brother. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and started home. But when they stopped at an inn, and one of them opened his sack to feed his donkey, he spied his money in the mouth of his sack. My money is back in my sack, he said to his brothers. Their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? They really, really were frightened now. They came home to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, and told him all that had happened. The man who is the Lord of the land treated us harshly and took us for spies. But we said to him, We are true men, we are not spies. We were twelve brothers, one is no longer, and the youngest is with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man who is the Lord of the land said to us, <clears throat> I will know if you are true men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food to feed the hungry in your houses and be gone. Then bring your brother to me, the youngest, and I shall know that you are not spies but true men. Then I will deliver your brother and you shall trade in the land. Now when they emptied their sacks, behold, every man found his bundle of money in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Jacob said to them, You have taken away my children from me. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Reuben said to his father, You may kill my two sons if I do not bring Benjamin back to you. Put him into my hands, and I will bring him to you again. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should come to him on the journey, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. <sighs> Jacob just could not bear to let go of his youngest son, Benjamin. I think all of us as parents can relate to how he must have felt. So the famine continued in the land, and the time came when Jacob and his sons had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, and their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah told him, If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Why did you deal so badly with me as to tell the man you had another brother? asked Jacob. So Jacob is... He's really ticked off at them. Why did you have to tell this man you had a younger brother? 
He probably had no answer. But they explained. The man asked many questions about ourselves and about our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? We answered according to his questions. How could we know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Then Judah said to his father Jacob, Send the lad with me, and we shall arise and go, so that we may live and not die, we and you and all our little ones. I will be responsible for him, and you may demand him of me. If I do not bring him to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not lingered so long, surely we would already have been back a second time. Their father said to them, If it must be so, now do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your sacks and carry down to the man presents, a little balm, and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hands. In this way, you will be able to give back the money that was in the mouth of your sacks. It may be that it was an oversight. So here we see Jacob's character again, just as he had bargained with Esau when he returned to meet Esau and had sent all these gifts to Esau. Now he is sending gifts ahead of himself to the Lord of, of Egypt, the Lord of the Pharaoh, to try to please him. Take also your brother and go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy from the man so that he may send home Benjamin and your other brother Simeon. For if I must grieve for my children, it is bitter grief indeed. And the men took presents and they took double money in their hand. They took also Benjamin and started off and went down to Egypt. They came and stood before Joseph. <clears throat> On Monday, we will look at the amazing reunion 